0: Now, remember Craig Sager, the basketball reporter mm-hmm. who had it?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, he had that.
0: I didn't know that's what he had. And he had three stem cell transplants. He had it at the same time as Bob. Bob's doctor was in cahoots with uh, Craig Sager's doctor down in uh, Houston, at the hospital in Houston, because they both had very similar, and they were kind of mm-hmm. comparing notes. And then when, you know, Bob's doctor was very resistant to letting Bob have, have the third stem cell transplant, mm-hmm. Um And Craig Sager, they went ahead because there was no other choice. And then he died right after it, shortly after it. And then Bob just chose. I mean, Bob lost his eye because of the cancer, the leukemia, right at the end there. And they put in a fake eye and they had to develop a good fake eye, you know. It was terrible what was in there. And he was sick and dying and he still wanted to get the better eye. I mean, you still have your pride. Right, right. And he got the better eye. I don't think he lasted a month after he had the better eye in there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I went to lunch with him right before he had passed away and everything. It was, it's like, it's an awful disease. The you know? stem cell, uh,
1: it, the stem cell, the uses of stem cell to help that right cancer, right. is there a genetic relationship to returning someone's health? You know, I, 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 I your... don't
0: know, but, but what we do know... Bob once said something very interesting to me under his breath one day. Um, his dad died of cancer in his 60s, because it was like 85. His My mom's 94, so how many, 30 years ago? He had it, you know, they were the same age, you mm-hmm. know, as my parents. Um, or close to it, obviously. Um, so Bob's dad died in his 60s of cancer, and then Bob's brother had lymphoma, and they said he was cured, and he had a seizure one day and died. And they said it's very rare, but I'm sure it was part of the cancer. And then Bob got the cancer and died died last year, so maybe he was either 64 or 65 when he died. What am I now, 67, so he might have been 65 or 66.
1: You know, that's a conversation Um, that we can have sometimes on the show because I truly believe that diet you don't hear about cancer so much in foreign countries right right it's it's primarily you hear so much about it here and i and i think it i'm i'm thinking it's just personal thoughts relates to diet and hydration and circulation and all the things that keep us on earth right right and but but even living so so long outside the country i just never heard so much of a conversation about it especially when you get
0: older well you know the other thing about that too um uh, you know, you, you really don't know the lifestyles and all this and that mm-hmm. and, and everything. Um, um, my wife has a friend whose husband passed away from the cancer, and she had already had breast cancer twice. What she didn't tell anybody, you know, when her husband died, was she had cancer again. And she was so sick and in the hospital, and they put her in the hospice, and now she's back home. Oh, wow. and I don't know what the prognosis for her is but I mean it, it's just a terrible disease but what it does to the families you know, you know they have three young daughters and you know they could have lost their mom and dad within four or five months of each other to cancer yeah. and then you don't know how if stuff is genetic or not but there isn't anybody anybody that hasn't been affected by cancer
1: well you know my mother's sister Died of multiple myeloma, right? And it was way back there, so it was new, right? Right. In fact, there was a time when you couldn't, uh, you know, push air over her skin because it would burn it. It would burn her skin and stuff. And so, so as I'm as now I'm, you know, they're considering me for man of the year for the the, uh, LLS Society here in Fort Worth. It's given me a chance to almost investigate what was really happening with my mother's sister. Because I was too young then to really understand it, but I was in that environment. And, and even now when I go to the sessions for the uh, LLS society and for work,, they're talking about the things that I can remember my family talking about and not having any idea about. And right, now it's right. just a, a part of just a normal conversation yeah, yeah, almost. And it's yeah. For me and, and, and for you and for yeah, us,, yeah. we're constantly telling each other how to eat. Yeah, yeah. How to to keep moving, life is motion, you know, at at, at the end of the day, I think we can help to keep each other on on earth longer. Well,
0: you know, know, it's funny because I had a doctor tell me once that um, uh, we're only made to live to 40 or 50 years old, and that's why we have medication, it's like a car breaking down, we can replace parts for a while to keep you going. And you know, when you think about it, it should make you relax because whatever's going to be is going to be. You do the best you can, it is. but you can't worry about everything. No, you can't, and then, it's and, not going to matter. And but we're both fortunate to come from mothers that are still here. Right, right, right. So which is amazing. We should really be. <laughs> and, and my, da- I know my dad would be here, except cancer got him. That's it. You, 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 you know. Uh, um, I How remember I the show today, I you. You know, Well you know, you know it's funny, I remember I, I took my dad golfing one day and he had already had the cancer. And so, you know, and he was in his eighties, so he wasn't, you know, uh really strong out there and he was just so happy he made it through the whole round. But he had tripped on a step going up to a tee box and he fell straight down. It scared the crap out of me. He just slammed down to the ground and I went running over and I said, Dad, are you all right? He goes, Yeah, yeah, no, I'm okay. I said, "All right, just lay there a minute and get composed." And then, after about thirty seconds, I said, "Are you planning on getting up?" And he goes, "Well, you told me to lay here." Right. And so, when he stands up, you know, you know, I kind of brush him off, you know. And he had a little scratch on his forehead, and we kind of wiped that off and everything. I said, "What well, do you want to go home?" He goes, "No, I want to finish. I'm a tough old, boy, uh, you know, tough old boy." So, did he meet you that day? I'm sure. Well, that's not saying much, though. But I mean, you know, it, it's. Uh, his demeanor, I mean, he was really laid back. You know, my mother, my mother, God bless her, was 94 and a nervous wreck. You know, my dad was so laid back. You know, whatever. You know, what'll be, will be. Why worry about it? I can't control it. Yeah. But that cancer, it got him. But he made it six years with it, and he did well, you know, with it. Well, you know, we've been talking about this, and you say maybe one day we should talk about it on the show. <clears throat> when When we get off, when we finish... I'm going to tell Adam to put something up. Here's stuff Larry and Scott talked about before they started the show and see if maybe there's, you know, some of this we could use. So uh, uh, let me introduce us now that we've done a 20-minute show right. already. You know. uh, I'm Scott Farber, alongside former New York Giant, host of the Extra Point TV show and this podcast, the Extra Point podcast, both on the GBC TV network. Larry's the NFL Players Association president for the Dallas-Fort Worth chapter, living legend of the city of Memphis, and up for the Man of the Year in Fort Worth, of course, Larry Mallard. And the most important thing,
1: good friend of uh, Scott Farmer's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very uh, much so. Now, you wanted to talk a little bit about when you came in today, uh, the Man of the Year for Fort Worth. You were telling me something, that you wanted to join a guy that you're competing against. Yeah, um, yesterday
1: we had our first uh, meeting. I'm, I'm a part of a group of, of men and women. It's Man and Woman of the Year. Right. And it's for the LLS Society in Fort Worth, uh, which is Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and it's for blood cancer, primarily for kids. And I'm, I'm really excited about being uh, being a part of this, because I've known about it now you know, for a couple of months, it lets you know, but right. for our first meeting... I listened to the people that I'm competing with and, and I said to myself, I don't want to compete with them. I want to help them. Right, right, you know? right. I mean, uh, there was a young lady uh, in the meeting that she was uh, born with with um, a leukemia and lymphoma and then her brother had it too and they had a stem cell relationship and, and now they're doing better. The other guy in the meeting, he, he, he had had it since birth and or since he was a child and his brother gave him a stem cell and that's why he's still alive. So when I heard their stories, I'm saying I, I don't want to compete with them. Right, I want right. to be on their team. Yeah. You know? yeah so that's yeah. where we are now. We're trying to raise money for uh, the LLS Society of Fort Worth. Right. It happens in every city around the country, though. Right. Right. And uh, they have volunteers. People will come in and try to help out, help by raising money to help some of the uh, new innovative. Um, research that they have for child
0: Say it again slowly so people could go find them online maybe and donate some money. Oh,
1: beautiful. It's the LLS Society. um, LLS.org. Worth.org. Okay. And you can go there and and donate to the kids. It's a wonderful
0: cause. You know, cancer has affected every one of us. You know, if not personally, certainly a family member or a close friend, you know, as we were talking about... Off the air, that, that <laughs> anime put some of it on the air so they'll know what we're talking about there. Well, um, you also brought us, uh, you didn't bring me the hot dogs or the burgers, you just brought the relish. <laughs> Whose relish is this? What's the story here? Well, um, hold one up so we can see it.
1: Okay, uh, this is the Royal Relish. It's a product that um, is actually now, right now, being being utilized in Tennessee Titans Stadium in, in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I happen to go to Tennessee State University, and and one of my classmates was a young lady that a lot of people know called Oprah Winfrey. Right, right, right. (laughs) Well, her sister, uh, uh, her family and her sister, they have what's called the Winfrey Food uh, Company, Right, and they produce products from their mother's old recipes, and this is one of the original ones, Um, and this is called Royal Relish, it's three flavors. And they use it in in deviled eggs. They use it in chicken salad, potato salad, on hot dogs. It has a a wide variety of usages. But because you have such a strong relationship in Nashville, and I have such a strong relationship in Nashville, both of us are looking to uh, strengthen our relationship with the Winfrey Food Company and see if they would like to come in and help us with some of the things that we're doing to help out people.
0: That would be great. Now if we could get them to watch that plug. <laughs> right, that'll truth. That'll help get those meetings going and everything. Yeah. So when you uh, knew Oprah in college, uh, how many times did she tell you no before you you said I give up? Well, that's a great <laughs> question.
1: Um, and, and the question is, uh, oh, okay. right? <laughs> she was the greatest person that's ever attended Tennessee State right. University. <laughs> well, Honestly, <laughs> she really is. Yeah, now, now,
0: now we can absolutely
1: say that. Yeah, yeah. She's just achieved so much. Yeah. And not only for not only for herself individually and the people around her, but for her family and people that she's touched. Right. She's right. just had a, a really broad reach. Of yeah, support. you know,
0: Larry, it just it still amazes me um, um, uh, that we've talked about this before. But where you went to college, all the guys that wound up in professional sports and people like Oprah, who heard of Tennessee State? Well, that's true.
1: Uh, in fact, if you're old, too old, you would they wouldn't know it because we used to call it Tennessee A and I, right, 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 which right, is right, agricultural right, and industrial, right, right. right. But it, you know, it seems like we're getting a bit more visibility now with people like Claude Humphrey and Richard Dent in the Hall of Fame, and right. Oprah Winfrey being, you know, doing the things that she's done. for So me.
0: Richard Dent went there too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm probably the least known person to go to Tennessee State, so...
0: <laughs> son, of, son of a... Son I mean, that, that really is amazing, you know, uh, especially from the pro sports world when you think of the big schools and everything. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about how everybody you went to high school with played professional sports, basically. Well, notice, yeah. too, that it's an age group situation
1: because, you know, um, college availability... Right, you know, was was somewhat limited in in the right. early days, and so not only uh, Tennessee State, but we're focusing right now on HBCUs in general. Right,
0: right, right. Uh,
1: historical Black Colleges and Universities are are uh, I think a requirement right. for right. challenge, sometimes challenge, but for for young people that don't have the opportunity to get to some of the higher educational schools or some of the bigger schools education these days in America is very expensive Right, right. And, and it's important that we all get it and I right. think the HBCU developing and maintaining HBCUs will play a long role yeah. in ensuring that our entire population is yeah. educated.
0: You know you, you say that I have two in college now and a third one getting ready to go to college and one that's been through college um, it's extremely expensive <laughs> and even when the kids get scholarships you know oh you know if they're going out of state, which I have one going out of state, and mm. you, you know even with the scholarships, it doesn't bring it down you know like people think you, you know That's it right. makes it and you're living it every you're actually every, living every, every day yeah. you, you know every day, and then there's they need another this or another that it's just it's just amazing well, I wanted to um uh, well first, let me just say i hope uh, I hope we could do something uh uh with the, uh, oh, uh, that's good, the name of the foods.
1: I, I, It'd be I, wonderful. Uh, I, I think so. I mean, it would be wonderful. Yeah. And I think it'll give them some, so the visibility that they're requiring, and I think it will support us in a great way.
0: All right. Now I want to just switch to something completely. Stuff that we always kind of talk around. I always say we're never going to do because, you know, we just don't want to piss anybody off. But we're going to try <laughs> to do this gently. Um, but I've got to ask you about some current events because, you know, our country right now, we are in such a, lack of a better word, crazy atmosphere with our politics. And it's like I say to my, I tell my kids that really this is their first involvement in politics, you know, that they're old enough to really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I always tell them this isn't how it's ever been before. You know, good, better, and different. this is not how it's been. But what does it say, you know, you lived overseas for many years, what does it say when the vice president goes to Munich to the, uh, you know, yearly security conference, and he brings greetings from the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, you know, he builds it up and sits there and it's totally dead silent. True. And then he uh, shuffles his notes and goes on. What does that say? how the rest of the world is looking at the United States now? Um, You
1: know, you could ask 50 people and probably have 50 different perspectives on this. Right. My perspective is, though, that that the decisions, the United States has been a unifier historically. We've been a unifier of morality, a unifier of law and order, a, a unifier of control and process We've been right. that global example of that, right. and I think that uh, in this small period of time that we've 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 not necessarily maintained that credibility. Right, right. They don't see us in the same light uh, based on some of the decisions that's being made by our country. Uh, we're not the only person on Earth, you know. This is a an alliance of right. of partners and you know people that are aligned to your your direction. And I think that what that statement did to say, it said to people publicly and internationally that we're not all aligned to some of the decisions that you're making globally.
0: Right, right. Well, and now here's a, a, another issue you know, that, that I wanted to mention in everything, um, because it's always such an argument. You know, we talk about insurance being a right or a privilege. And I'm not really fully understanding the connection why this became a political issue. Because I don't know anybody, uh, um, conservative or liberal or independent, that doesn't want insurance. You know, now we're at the point where I buy insurance for my family, and you go in and you say, what's the cash price? Because the way it's set up, for us at least, we pay less if we pay the cash price than if it's insured if we put it through the insurance, then our copay is a lot more usually than the cash price. You know, and it's like I sit there and I go, so we have this insurance, which is really now if you're in a car wreck or if there's a terrible tragedy or a a heart attack, you know, and you go, is that the way it's supposed to be? You know, Mm -hmm. none of us want to have insurance that's not helping for you. But I remember the fighting all the time with Obamacare, and the mandate that you had to have the health insurance. And if not, they were fining people, they called it a tax, <clears throat> a few hundred dollars a year not to have the insurance. And it was like a very big political issue. Look at what they're doing. And They're charging all this tax money and everything. Well, it wasn't a lot. It was very little. Right. But then, if you own an automobile, you can't drive it unless you have insurance. If you own a house and have a mortgage, you can't have it unless you have homeowner's insurance. Why is it that we call insurance a privilege, not a right, and why do we fight not to have to have it? Mm. Give me your opinion on the 50 different opinions. <laughs>
1: <coughs> well, that's, um, you know, America is... Uh, living outside the country for so long, I never had to pay for health insurance right I had to pay for other insurances right but, right, but I think that insurance as a as a product is a primary means or a primary support of capitalism right now my My concern is that that just like you 're saying, is capitalism um, this, is capitalism something that should overtake morality, should overtake um, uh, concern for others? And so I, I hear this, this conversation about a meshing of capitalism and socialism and how it should be separate or whatever. I'm th- I think that, number one, I think that, that I forgot where you, I, I was somewhere I was going, I forgot where it was. Well, yeah. I can't tell you where you were going. I was listening. Well, what I mean in terms of... Um, the insurance. And insurance. And having to yeah. have the insurance. I, I believe that, 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 that in, a, in a capitalistic environment, anything that you can get paid for, right. you try to get it paid for. Right, right. But I don't think that capitalism should override the comfort and the kind of social, socialistic environment of people living, people living comfortably in their, right, right. in their country. And I think that's where we are now. It's not just about the rich. It's about everybody. Right? Right. And I think that there is, I think, in a democratic environment, there has to be a socialistic
0: impact well, there, because well, everybody is not rich. There has to be, but we've, used, we've taken that word to make it a bad word. Exactly. That's you know, and we really don't understand what it is. I do know that your police department is socialism. Uh, your fire department is socialism. You're, uh, if you're of uh, Medicare age... Your Medicare, which is very helpful to older people, is socialism, as is your Social Security check. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anybody that turns down the police, the fire department, their right. Medicare, or their Social Security check. They're not aware that it's socialism, in fairness to, to most people. But I don't know anybody who is aware of it that refuses it. Right. Um, because I don't think we really... We just know that it became a bad word. Exactly. We don't know really what... what. Uh, uh, what it means. At least, you know, I don't really know what it means. And it, it somewhat means.
1: interrupted the overall global concept of America being opportunistic.
0: Right. You right. Know?
1: Right. Our country was one that says that I can change your life. Right. I can give you an opportunity to do something you've never done before. There are rules and regulations and right. processes right. that if you follow those, right. you will have a better life. Right. That, that whole dream is being challenged.
0: Well, you know, and to, and, and I, think, I think they're being very unfair to Trump's base because we hear every day that he's playing to his base, playing to his base. This is for his base. His base have eyes and ears and family issues and problems. They know what's going on. I think it's unfair to say that it's just this blatant loyalty because they want to be insured. You know, they want to know what the issues are, too. I think it's great that Trump had a base. Now, is he keeping the base, or are we just saying that he's keeping the base? You know, I think it's unfair just to say his, he's playing to his base, playing to his base. His base wants the same thing everybody else wants. That's a great,
1: I, I think that's a great perspective. In fact, the playing to the base statement implies separation. right. It implies it does not bring us together. Right. It implies that the only base that he has is someone that looks just like him. Right. And that's a divisive perspective.
0: Yeah. See, I, I, you know, I don't buy that. Playing to he might be playing to the base, but I think that's a, a comment more than a, reality. I think people are people, and and yes, people think different things, and and you know, insurance might be important to me, but it might not be to somebody else. They might have other issues that are important. And that's, you know, part of America. Well, in a capitalistic
1: society, you know, we talk about capital being very important. So one question could be, you know, and, and this is just a question. Right, but, right, right, But what is its true base? Now, with McCabe and with everything that's happening with the FBI... Well, that was my, that was my next <laughs> thing that I wanted to ask you. It seems as though there, his base might be in r- Russia.
0: Well, see, that's what I was going to ask you. What does it say to us when, when they run out there and other and senators defend him to the nth degree? I question that loyalty to that to the person, you know, Donald Trump the person, not to the office of the presidency... Not to the government, not to the United States, not to the people. It seems like it's a loyalty just to him. When we get uh, uh, a former deputy uh, FBI director, I guess maybe, Mm -hmm. um, uh, in Andrew McCabe, former deputy director, says that at an intelligence briefing on North Korea's ability to shoot missiles into the mainland of the United States and there, he's told that that could happen, and he says, well, Putin told me it can't, so I believe Putin over the U.S. intelligence. What is that saying about us as a country, and why is it not questioned what he's saying as opposed to running out there on TV defending him? Uh, you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't defend our president ever, but there are some things that are more important or bigger than... An individual, no matter who it is. I, I, I totally agree. I
1: mean, to, to to not believe the number one agency in the world as it relates to intelligence, intelligence and, yeah, and espionage. Yeah. And to say, even just to say one person, even if it wasn't yeah. Putin. Yeah. Any one person that would yeah. go against a system that has been in place for this long
0: Well Putin's our biggest rival, so it even makes it more dramatic. That may make it dramatic. Yeah. I mean, even if that was if that was if that was even a thought
1: right. in the previous president's campaign, oh. it would be yeah. It would be all over.
0: Well I think it would have been a thought in any president's campaign campaign, yeah. it would be over. See, that's what I'm saying, and you know, and we, our country is a system of checks and balances. The, the Congress looked into plenty of Obama stuff. They looked in plenty of Clinton stuff, obviously. They looked in plenty of Bush's stuff. That's what they do. That's what we do as a country for the checks and balances. Right. But when it was going on with Obama and Clinton and Bush and Bush and Carter and Reagan and everybody, it wasn't a daily attack thing. You know, it wasn't a daily thing going on. It is so much going on and we've become two sides. And one side is trying to come up with evidence and the other side is trying to shoot the evidence down. And I just don't know why we don't kind of go, wait a minute, this is something we should look into. Well, let me ask you a question. Okay. Because I think
1: that one of the things that might be, and i like your opinion on it, that might keep us involved in this Craziness is Twitter. Right, right. In in past regimes, in past presidencies, we've not had someone that, you know, 15 times a day, that you can go and hear him respond to something. Well, here's my opinion of it.
0: You know, when I used to anchor 135 years ago, (laughs) you know, everything was fact-based. You know, we had to make sure that what we were saying was a fact. And I remember going, I'd like to tell... People that you're hearing this story told through the eyes of one of the biggest idiots I've ever met. That's when I was at Little Stations, you know, in <laughs> the beginning, and I didn't think the people were necessarily that bright. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with politics, you know. Um, so there is some of that because it's there is a lot of opinion on the reporter because they're at the meeting, they're taking the notes, they're telling you what they saw. <clears throat> but in today's world, so much more is fact checked you know, beyond just the person there. Mm-hmm. And there's so many news outlets and so many stories that are checked and, and referred. You know, we're seeing at night what the New York Times is coming out with the next morning. And everything is fact checked now. But with Twitter, I mean, you know, with the social media, you could put out what you want, you could you could draw whatever picture, you could That's take something point. and turn it around You could eliminate a word out of a sentence. You could edit the film footage. And so, who knows? You know, on certain things that go out there and are just believed, there are certain things that you can say is fake news because it's not fact-checked. Now, the television networks, the Foxes, the CNNs, you know, of the world, ABC, CBS, NBC, they're fact-checked. You know, they're, they're, they're reliable, but the Twitter is open to the immediate world. Yeah. It's anybody sends something out. You know, I've seen my, my son who, you know, well, all my kids, everybody lives on Twitter now. Twitter is their lifeblood. And, you know, we've talked about it. You know, you go to a restaurant and it's quiet in a restaurant because everybody's like this, you know, doing this and everything. And, um. They've many times said, oh, look at this, blah, blah, blah. And then two minutes later, oh, no, no, it came came out that that was, you know, somebody, Joe Blow made that up. So you're just being pulled. Right. You don't know what's the truth. And they're succeeding because neighbors don't talk to each other anymore. I'm a conservative. I hate you. You're a liberal. I'm a liberal. I hate you because you're a conservative. And I sit there and I go when you talk to, you know, when you get groups together, you know, I'll do a boys' night out with my buddies and they sit and argue and everything. And I sit and I look at them, you know, and I go, do you want health insurance? Yeah. Do you want clean air? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that they disagree on. right I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't want clean air. I don't know anybody who wants polluted water, right, right. You, you, you know. Um, I don't know anybody who doesn't want insurance and doesn't want their insurance to be cheaper and pay for more stuff. You know, so we all want the same things. But yet we dig in so deeply to fight a particular way? And that's where Donald Trump, I think, has become very powerful because he gets everybody on his side of the aisle to dig in for him. Nobody questions anything. You know, and there's a lot of questions, obviously. Everybody around him has been arrested, indicted. And so it raises a concern to me, you know, doesn't it to you? Well, you know, I'm a positive
1: guy yeah you know everything I look at, I try to look at it from a positive perspective, so I think this is a temporary state of affairs, right right you know what I mean I think that the our overall American process image, all those things will you know hopefully override where we are right now. yeah and I yeah. believe in our system right, and I think that um I think that there is going to be some research done as it relates right. to how things happen but it will probably happen after he's gone yeah, and
0: yeah. not while he's in Yeah. now you know you told me before you don't think he'll be reelected but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is well you know
1: with with the house with Nancy Pelosi taking over the house I right. think that we're going to see a lot more stuff than we've not seen in the first two years
0: right 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 yeah. but I don't think that matters to people so much mm. I think people are worn out and tired from it and they don't even believe it anyway you know that's what I think is is starting to happen. You know, um, unless there's some really some bad stuff going on, and there may be, and there may be nothing. You know, we hopefully eventually we'll find out, and before the next election.
1: Well, I think the the, the bad stuff. Um, I think the bad stuff is going to be felt by the public, and that's going to change their yeah. mind. One one bad thing that could possibly have an impact is the tax returns. Right. Right. Right now, you know, uh, he passed the tax laws. The tax laws went for the top 1%. Now right, right. it's time to file your taxes, and you're not going to get the same size tax. Right. Taxes. You're, you're
0: find, people are finding they're paying a little bit more money. Yeah, you know. so I think when those type of everyday lifestyle impacts. That's, that's what affects people. Starts to more, more so than what Donald Trump did in his life. Exactly. And, you know, and, and in Donald Trump's defense, you know, all of these things that we're talking about and worried about were before he ran for president, you know, his his business dealings and everything and things that he did. But so it'll be interesting to see, um, uh, you know, what they find. Oh, you know, people talk about, well, we'd like his policies, but I'm not sure which are the policies people like, because it sickens all of us that kids are being separated at the border from their parents. You know, we could have that argument about a wall, no wall, and people coming across who they are, what they are, you know, um, um, but The separating mothers from their kids that are looking for asylum because of trying to better their life is just awful. It is, but it's also a part of the
1: the separation that we're having because when we talk about if at some point we all don't sit down and talk about where we were versus where we are now, right right, then it's going to continue in a certain direction. I, I happen to believe that that Stephen Miller, right is probably doing more tweeting for him <laughs> than right, he's right, doing. Right, right. Because his language, when he talks, you know, he was on that thing recently out there. He right. didn't have a script. When he's right. not unscripted, right. he is not someone that you like, you know, that you don't know what's going to come out of his, right, right. his position. And right. so I think that there's people behind him that's putting forth a message right. only right. to a certain sector of America. Right. And that's the base that, that they're, they're kind of talking right, about. Right, right, right. I do believe, though, that that base, if we don't come up with the House having the ability now to research things, right. I think the issue is um, infiltration into the election. Right. You follow me? Even if people vote right, a certain right. way and the, and the election machines are, you know, rigged in yeah, some way, yeah. it's
0: still... Yeah, you know, yeah. it's still not a good thing. Pa- My wife keeps going paper ballots, <laughs> paper <laughs> that's ballots. Right. That right. You, you go one for you, one for you, and that's everybody it. sits there and looks one for you, one for you. That's it. You, you know, um, because you can't really. Then you, you got to have
1: somebody to make sure you got the right people counting
0: them. Oh, so. that's right. But, but but you have the Republican attorneys and you have the Democratic attorneys, and and if they can't count, then then we're in trouble. That's it. But you know, it's just it's just so interesting to me. You know, to sit and watch this every day. How it unfolds, and you know uh, the other thing. Um, you know we were talking about uh, uh, the media is not the enemy of the of the people. Yeah, you, you know that's that's kind of the it's the balance, balance. of democracy. Yeah, you know. You
1: so you if you believe that the media and you continue to reinforce right. that it's the enemy of the people and it's something that has that has been the fibers of democracy, right. then he supports another type of.
0: But, but see, really the thing, funny. and this is where I think Trump is smarter than people give him credit for, he brands everybody. I mean, uh, uh, um, Elizabeth Warren, I don't think would have a chance now because she'll just be Pocahontas at every rally. That's all that's ever going to be discussed. Mm-hmm. It won't be policy talk. It'll be she's Pocahontas and she's not uh, a Native American. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that's what's going to go on. She's bad, but all these things that he's done wrong, nobody's branding him. And, and saying it, you know, they mm-hmm. got the machines out there defending him. So I think in that regard, he's pretty smart. He just puts the same, you know, there's some lies. I hate to say it, but yeah. there's lies. And we just keep using, saying them over and over and over. Say the And difference. you say it enough. The difference in a professional and amateur is consistency. That, that's he's right. He's a pro at doing that. that. That's right.
1: However, I also believe, though, that I believe that there are a massive group of people. Right. That because of the, the... Somewhat divisiveness that we right. might have right now as a country are unwilling to tell you exactly who they support.
0: Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, people. Well, and I think I think, you know, the polls aren't accurate That's right. because I think people, you're right, might not want to say a certain way. So they'll just say what they think, you know, is the be- best thing to say. And then the pollster hangs up and then they go about their business and they just lied to them, basically, basically. You, you know, because they didn't want to say anything.
1: And it's also almost a line, our polling now is almost a line to neighborhoods. Right, right, you right. Remember, I remember a story right. you shared with right. me where you had a sign, a certain sign. Right, <laughs> right, there, right. In your yard, you, you, know, you so, know, so there's all already from these pollsters a prediction by neighborhood as right. to what
0: results would come. Right, right. I would think. You know, and here's another thing. I, I remember a hundred years ago, Gaylord Broadcasting in Oklahoma City. You know, uh, uh, that family was very well to do. They owned the media. They owned uh, the the big newspaper in Oklahoma City. And I remember, uh, was it Gaylord that would talk about it, or just somebody from that company? But they talked about, you know, when cable TV eventually gets here. It's going to be Big Brother watching. Everybody laughs. Yeah. Why, how are they going to be able to see? Yeah. Now I get a call from our uh, from our VP of media. She's working on a new proposal with, uh, with some of the cable networks that literally you could make a, you know, if we're doing a buy for Garth Brooks, say, mm-hmm. you know, for uh, promoting his new album or concert or what have you, mm-hmm. we literally could run their commercial in homes that are known from Amazon Records <laughs> or iTunes records, uh, or from the little box on the TV, what TV shows they watch and do they buy country music. So when we buy a commercial, it'll run in that home. Yeah. But maybe not in the next door neighbor home. Yeah. And that kinda is creepy to me. <laughs> well <laughs> because and, and that's too much information.
1: And and that's where we are now. That's where we, we have are. A lot of information. We're, now we're utilizing that information for our individual benefits. Right, right. And so, you know, in the old days... Big cash for everything. Yeah, but, I mean, even even now to the point, Scott, of when you go to the gas station... Right. They're saying that people are putting monitors in the gas station... Uh, in the gas pump. Right, right, right. And when you put your card in the gas pump and put it out, they have your information.
0: Well they do. So I'm sure. Yeah. I mean I have no basis of knowing one way or the other, but I'm imagining everything every time you do something. The impact of technology. You know. And and, and he
1: he he has really I, I I agree with you aligned to technology because of the Twitter right, situation. Right, He's right, seventy plus. Right. And, and and the people that are looking at Twitter are young kids. Right, right. So he's also Im- impacting or influencing right. another, gro- uh, another voting bloc. Right, right, I'm right. not saying that they agree with everything right, right. he does, but at least he has access to them.
0: Well, and every time you do something on your computer, uh, you want to buy something, you have to hit I agree. You don't know what you're agreeing to. That's right. Because who reads the 4,000 pages? That's right. You just look at it and hit yeah. agree and keep you know, going. You your daughter <laughs> sent me... Your daughter. My daughter sent me a lease... For her new apartment for next semester uh-huh. at school. It's 16 pages long. And I read it and I go, you know, there's no way to fight it. You either want to move into the apartment or not. But oh my gosh, you know, yeah. it's covered that uh, everything and you have no rights, and you are in trouble for anything that
1: happens. In fact, there might be some small print in there that says, you don't pay your rent on time, I can take your mortgage.
0: Well, you know, it, I mean, it's it, it's, it, it's getting crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, it really is crazy. And people just, we just blindly accept things now. Yeah, You know, and that might be part of the problem, too. Well, and, uh, and the opportunity, because yeah. at, some, at one point in America, that
1: type of confidence in our system, right, that type of, of, of trust, Right, uh, was a part of what America was, right, and that's right. what we're talking about. It's that trust that that is being torn down, and right. and I don't see that as being such a bright future for our kids. Right,
0: right. You know,
1: we, we, we they're looking at something. They're actually some of these children at this certain age group. This is all they've seen. Right, right. <laughs> you know, well that's right. And so imagine how they're going <laughs> to move forward and how they're going to approach things. Yes.
0: Well, and then the uh, uh, now let me get off of this topic because okay. people think that this is sports related. <laughs> That's true. So Colin Kaepernick um, came to an agreement with the he NFL. Went
1: to, oh, he's still in. Okay, I thought he's still in politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so Colin Kaepernick came to an agreement with the NFL, and it's a big secret. So does that mean the NFL doesn't want us to? think that they're admitting any guilt or giving him money is mean they gave in. Mm-hmm. Is that what the deal is? Is that why it's, uh, nobody gets to talk about it? Well,
1: no, I think nobody gets to talk about it in America because every time a company or a large organization that depends upon the public for right, their right. money, whenever they have, um, Whenever they have to pay something large out in terms of a liability, right. there's an NDA that you have to sign to right. say that you can't talk about it. Okay. So at the end of the day, for us, um, they could have admitted it. We don't know. Well, we do know that, that though,
0: they paid and they're finished with and it. And they're done. Yeah. But now, see, Trump had a few NDAs with women, and uh, <laughs> we're, all, we're all waiting to hear. you know. Well, uh, but, but, but suffice it to say, Colin got some money. Well, I
1: was going to say, uh, I was going to try to do it like Mr. Trump did it. He said, well, um, they have NDAs on me, and they'll probably take it to a lawyer, and then the lawyer will take it to a a court, and then the court will take it to a a bigger court, and then the bigger court will take it to another court, and then it's the Supreme Court, and then I'm cool because I got my guy there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I got both my guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, that's amazing stuff. Well, I'm glad that that's maybe behind us. Is he going to play in the NFL again? I I, um, I don't think so. I think that the, I don't, no one
1: knows the amount of retribution that was paid or not paid or whatever, but, you know, uh, we talk about how the NFL is a pretty powerful group, and right. we also talk about how football players like Graham Busses. Right, right. When one right. leaves, another one is coming. However, I do, I do believe that he will play again. But, you know, we have all these competitive leagues coming Well, not competitive to the NFL, but alternative leagues coming up with the American, uh, the American Alliance Football League that's starting. Right, right. With the XFL that's starting. Uh, I believe in, in what I'm about to say. I love NFL owners. I'm not pushing back on right, NFL right, teams. I'm right. a former player, and I love the, the whole situation. But I think that... Larry being careful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe that... Um, that the payment that uh, that the league had to give him right. was also a release of their requirements to support him in any way.
0: Right,
1: right. Uh, he's he's not. He's missed some money. He put twenty million dollars up. He's missed some money. They've given him that money back. Okay, now from their perspective, if I were sitting in their chairs, I would say, okay, this is over. Right, right. Uh, he still has a relationship with Nike. Right, right. So it'd be interesting to see how that advances. But we could see him in a, a um, an American Alliance football team or XFL team
0: well you know you know the uh, the interesting thing too is like I would always tell my kids that you know when you get so upset when your team loses the big game or any game you know and everything and you know we're always talking oh pay that guy his money you know oh 45 million a year is not enough we should pay him 60 million you know I'm always sitting there going at what points it enough? Yeah. But it's like I always tell my kids: at the uh, the end of the day, while you're all upset that your team lost, those guys still get their big paycheck. You know, win lose, they want to win, but even though they lost, they got their paychecks. Yeah. And it's the same thing with politics: the politicians are all fine. They all have good health care. They all have good pensions. They all good. get lobbyist jobs. They all get uh, you know. They're set, Mm -hmm. you know, well Mm -hmm. off over most Americans. So my recommendation, I don't want anybody to think that you and I are getting so political one way or the other. I want people to go out and shake their neighbor's hand today, even if they don't agree with them politically, because they still got to get along in the community. And it's still it's still about them and not to take so much to heart. If your team wins or loses, enjoy the uh, enjoy the ride for the season and the politicians let them fight it out amongst themselves because they're working for us. I you like know. that idea. I think it's
1: uh, honestly. I think it's uh,
0: we'll a be local, better off.
1: Well, it'll be. It's a, it should be a local project and a regional project and a national project. I think it's something that you and I. We could, got
0: a movement we could
1: start now. I, I'm serious. Shake I, your neighbor's I, hand. Even, even if even if it's, if we put it under the Mallory Foundation or the yeah, Scott I, Farber I, 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 Foundation, yeah. that is a hell of a idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The question, And you're on TV, so it could be, you know, it, it could be something that we could promote nationally or start. I think that's a hell of an idea, honestly. Yeah, And okay. I think that we should try to develop that. We're,
0: okay, we will. Yeah. You know, Shake we gotta, your neighbor's hand. Yeah, that's right. All right that's a perfect end point (laughs) because now they have the coming attraction (laughs) that's right next week we're going to have a little relish on a hot dog while we talk about how to get your neighbor invite them over for lunch you know and and before we sign off let me tell you something too that I noticed when I was a kid growing up every night the the folding lightweight chairs would come out Uh and you'd sit in your front yard and by the end of the evening you'd have 15 neighbors all sitting around yapping and then when it got late or you're getting too many mosquito bites, people would take their chairs and walk home. Now people don't even know their neighbors because you pull into your garage. You know, when I was a kid growing up, we didn't have a garage. Parked in front of the house. And now you pull into your garage and the door comes down behind you and you don't know who your next door neighbor is. Yeah. You know, you could be living there 15 years and you don't know who they are because you never see them, nor do you care. And then here comes an election... And they put a sign out, and then they and start they, ripping signs out of the wrong person <laughs> that's right, that's right. for the neighborhood. That's you know, right, that's right. so uh, yeah, we're gonna start our movement. Shake your neighbor's hand. I like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I look forward to working with you on that. All right, man. We'll see you next time. All right. All the best.